You are now listening to Chomp Chats, conversations to enhance the Gator family experience. And so when we think about our physical health, we think about all the things that go into us, you know, maintaining our bodies. Am I eating nutritiously? Am I exercising so that I'm able to physically meet the demands of the day? Our mental health is very similar in that way, where we, it's not that there's anything wrong with us, but we're really attending to the kinds of thoughts that go through our mind, attending to the kinds of emotions that we may be experiencing from moment to moment, and just kind of assessing, are we doing what we can to really support Welcome back to Chump Chats, where we have conversations to enhance the Gator family experience. I'm Shaquille Lowe, your host, and today I'm joined by Dr. Rosa West from the Counseling and Wellness Center. Dr. West, how's it going? Uh, it's going well. Awesome. That's really great to hear. I know that these are unprecedented times, and so just for context for our families, this is a live recording, and we're doing this through Zoom as we are practicing social distancing, mm-hmm. making sure that we can soon get back to campus, because I know that you're probably excited about that, too. Yes, missing campus and missing that interaction with students. Yes, it's only so much that uh, technology can do. I love technology, but hey, I'm ready for some like some face-to-face connections. Yeah. So I want to spend some time today to kind of talk about and educate our families on the Counseling and Wellness Center. And so before we do that, I think it's great that we get to know you. So can you tell us a little bit about you? So who are you? What do you want people to know? I am a clinical assistant professor at the University of Florida. I'm a licensed mental health uh, counselor in the state of Florida and a licensed marriage and family therapist as well in the state of Florida. Um, I'm also a Gator alum. And so I did both my education and training um, as a U of undergraduate and graduate student. And so um, U of is family and has, served a large role in shaping my identity as a counseling professional. We love when we can talk with former Gator that it's nothing like the passion. Yeah. Speaking of passion, how did you find your passion to be a counselor or to go into this profession? So I think, um, you know, for me, it's, it was always important to find a profession where I felt like I um, could connect with people and help them in a meaningful way. Um, and, you know, with mental health, emotional health, like these are common concerns that, you know, most everyone is going to experience, you know, an issue or concern in that area, um, even myself included. And so it just seemed, um, you know, as far as being able to have the greatest impact in helping and serving others would be in this field. Um, Because oftentimes, you know, we'll give physical health um, a lot of attention and kind of not attend to our own mental, emotional well-being. Uh, and, you know, we're not aware of how significant that is just in our ability to function and our ability to do well and live optimally. Um, so it just felt like, you know, in all the areas of healthcare that I could have gone into, that this is one that doesn't often get a lot of attention, but touches so many areas and so many aspects of our lives. Um, that again, how can I have meaningful and, and a meaningful impact on the lives of others? And so... Um, that's really been key to driving my passion and moving into this field. I'm sure you could do this in other industries and so different professions, but that you get to join that with being here at the University of Florida. Can you talk me through that and and what does that mean? Again, when we think about our mental health, our emotional health, um, you know, it changes and shifts at um, all different times of our lives. And the young adult years is really a critical time period. Um, for how, you know, we develop um, emotionally, how we develop, 
mentally. And so the college population really speaks to me because it's, it's such a ripe time um, for folks to start to learn skills and develop um, coping mechanisms to better manage, you know, later adulthood and middle adulthood. Um, and so um, at the Counseling and Wellness Center, of course, uh, that's our focus is working with college students and really addressing um, some of those key, you know, developmental concerns that happen around this age around, um, yeah, how they develop mentally, how they develop emotionally. Perfect. And I think that's going to be great because a lot of people always talk about student development and the things that are happening, you know, just in terms of our mm -hmm. students and how they are, you know, synthesizing their experience here at the university. But then I think about what does that mean for their mental development? And, and mm -hmm. there are not as many people that have FaceTime with students that often see those things. So I think it's really great that we do have, you know, mm -hmm. awesome professionals like you on campus that really aid our students in that, in, in their holistic development. Yeah, and that's something that we really try to um, emphasize, especially when students are coming first on campus, uh, is really trying to raise their awareness that you've, you know, you spend a lot of time, um, you know, giving attention to your major and deciding your professional career and focusing on, you know, your academics to kind of meet that goal. Um, but you may not be paying attention to all the things that are going around that that really contribute to your ability to do that. And so it's a good opportunity, especially for coming into college, to start to think about how you attend to your wellness um, and how your wellness is supporting your ability to accomplish some of the things that you're trying to get done from day to day. Um, so again, we really try to, from the very beginning, um, share that message with students that this is a good time coming in to start to attend to your mental health um, in ways that maybe you hadn't been aware of or maybe hadn't even thought of, you know, prior to coming into the university. You mentioned mental health. So I do want to know, like, you, you hear things like mental health, mental illness. And so can you tell me first, what, you know, what's the difference between those? Um, so you're absolutely right that they are, are oftentimes used interchangeably, but they're not the same thing. And so um, I think a good way of kind of, um, you know, looking at the distinctions is, is seeing how it aligns with the other ways that we look at health. And so when we think about our physical health, we think about all the things that go into us staying, um, you know, maintaining our bodies. And so am I um, eating nutritiously? Am I um, exercising? Am I doing things that sort of keep me fit so that I'm able to physically meet the demands of the day? Um, our mental health is very similar in that way, where we, it's not that there's anything wrong with us, but we're really attending to the kinds of thoughts that go through our mind, right? Um, attending to the kinds of emotions that we may be experiencing from moment to moment, um, and just kind of assessing, are we doing what we can to really support that? So do we have um, healthy um, emotional coping mechanisms or strategies when we're under stress or experiencing anxiety? And so when we talk about mental health, that's the focus. What are we doing to really maintain our overall a good sense of mental health well-being? Mental illness, on the other end, is when we are maybe falling susceptible to problems with our mental health. And so when we're ill, just like if we're physically ill, well, now we may be having active symptoms that are um, impeding our ability to get things done. And so if I had a cold or a flu, um, you know, and looking at my physical health, what can I do to um, mitigate the chances of getting sick? Am I taking my vitamin C? Am I getting exercise? Am I sleeping? 
um, making sure that I'm eating nutritiously, all the things I can do to kind of mitigate the chances of getting physically ill. But if I do get ill, um, the treatment may look different because now that I have this illness, am I taking medication? Have I gone to the doctor um, for consultation on maybe some things I need to do um, you know, to, to get rid of you know, some of the symptoms that I'm experiencing? In the same way with mental health, I can do all of these things to make sure that I'm, I'm maintaining an optimal sense of well-being. But there are times, there may be instances where we begin to experience symptoms, right? Negative symptoms um, that are impacting our ability to function. So we're kind of moving into that illness phase of it, um, where the strategies and the things that I need to now do are very different than what I was doing to maintain my mental health, right? Because now I'm addressing my mental illness. And so we really want students to kind of know that. And we were asking you, to think about your mental health, it's not saying that there's something wrong or that you're sick or that there's an issue, but it really is what can I do to ensure that I'm reducing the chances of me getting sick, of me developing an illness. Um, that doesn't mean that you know we can always prevent it, but you know we have professions um, and you know resources and services that can support folks in getting that done. So um, at the CWC, we do see a range of, of students that are presenting, um, you know, at, in different levels. And so we have students that are coming in because they're concerned about their mental health and are wanting to, um, you know, get support around strengthening that and addressing concerns that may impact that. Um, and we've got students on the other end of that spectrum that are experiencing some kind of mental illness. And so they may need, you know, um, more supports or more varied kinds of resources to address the illness that they're experiencing at that time. So you mentioned exercising our mental health. And mm -hmm. I think that that's an awesome example because I, I never thought about it like that. What are some common practices or types of practices that, that students or, or people can use to exercise their mental health? Um, yeah, so there are a number of different kinds of things that, you know, individuals can do. I think uh, a key practice that anyone can uh, incorporate into their day-to-day -day is practicing mindfulness. Um, and mindfulness, all that really is saying in some is that we're bringing our attention and our focus to the present moment, right? And so, um, you know, if, whether we're at work or we're traveling to class or, um, whether we're doing any other activities, sometimes we get just into the routine of, of, of doing things kind of rapidly and not really um, sitting and taking in how we're being impacted by all the things that we're doing. Um, and with that, sometimes we're not even aware of, of why we're doing things, right? And what purpose or what need it's, it's meeting. And so practicing mindfulness is a nice way of slowing things down sometimes, which I think is really helpful for students. Um, particularly if they're overwhelmed or if they have got a lot going on, um, that I'm taking key times in the moment. It may be scheduled opportunities or just those moments that I'm aware um, to just sit, pull my attention to the present and start thinking about what am I feeling right now? What kinds of thoughts, right, have I been experiencing throughout the day? Um, because without that assessment, right, we um, lack awareness of how we're really being impacted by the things that are, are going on throughout our day. And so I may have had, you know, a couple of, um, you know, challenging experiences throughout the day. And if I'm not careful, um, 
I don't know how I'm internalizing those experiences and what kinds of thoughts seem to be going through my mind. And so uh, too much of that for too long, you know, can kind of build up. And so that's where we start to see folks shifting from concerns of mental health to concerns of mental illness, because they just, you know, aren't aware of how those emotions, how those thoughts, how those experiences are impacting their overall mental and emotional health. Um, again, sort of liking it to uh, physical health. If I, um, you know, just every day got out of my bed and went to work and I didn't think about, did you have breakfast? Did you eat lunch? Did you um, take a break? If I didn't attend to all of those things, over time, that's going to add up. And I find myself getting burnt out and overwhelmed. And so mindfulness, again, is a way of slowing some of that down um, so that I'm ensuring that I can be more conscious of what's going on with me from day to day. Um, and that conscious awareness is so helpful um, in knowing and being informed about when to seek help, right? Because if I'm not sort of um, taking those moments to really check in with myself, then I don't know when it's time to, you know, maybe go out and see a counselor or to reach out to a family member or reach out to a friend for support. Um, so all the strategies that I think I can share, um, it's mindfulness that I think is, again, something that's easily adaptable, um, but it is a practice that, um, you know, we can incorporate that really helps us attend to our mental health and stave off mental illness. Thank you so much for saying that, because I really think about, for a family member listening right now, they're like, oh my gosh, how am I going to work with my student to all of a sudden start practicing mindfulness, right? Because I can imagine for some students that might seem very daunting for them. So talk through us about some of the counseling and wellness centers, programs and initiatives that can probably help with several things, Mm -hmm. but amongst those, mindfulness. Yes. Um, So when we think about the counseling and wellness center, what usually comes to mind first for folks is individual counseling, right? Um, But, you know, attending to our mental health is so much more than that. And so at the CWC, we really try to vary our skills, again, to meet the spectrum of concerns and challenges that our students may be presenting with. Um, So we um, have skill building uh, workshops and resources that, again, can teach students, um, sometimes help family members to understand uh, different kinds of concerns and develop different coping strategies uh, to uh, deal with any challenges that may come up. Um, We also um, have a group program, and so sometimes we found that a lot of our students, um, they thrive better in environments where they can connect with other students that share common concerns. And so I want to say of our groups program, about 98% of the students that participate um, would encourage other students to do that. Um, So again, a way of, um, you know, connecting with others that are sharing similar challenges and Sometimes being able to be in that environment gives you a broader perspective of different alternative ways of coping and dealing with things. Um, We also have a mind and body lab. And so again, getting back to that idea of mindfulness, um, our mind and body lab um, are things that students can come in and do on their own. And so it's computer-based. They sit through an orientation and engaging in things like our biofeedback lab, where they can actually see how their body physically responds to stress and learn kind of coping strategies to mitigate some of the um, physical symptoms or physical manifestations of stress or anxiety that they may experience from day to day. 
Um, in addition to our mind and body lab, we also work in concert with psychiatry. And so, um, you know, UF Psychiatry does have a department that sits within the Counseling and Wellness Center and will work collaboratively. And so sometimes we may have students that, um, again, are having greater concerns or maybe would be better served if they had medication as an adjunct, right, to counseling or skill building or group participation. And so we, you know, have a referral service that, you know, we can refer folks to meet with the psychiatrist for that consultation to discuss how medication may be also helpful in managing and maintaining mental health and mental illness. Um, in addition to that, we do outreach. And so sometimes, um, you know, our students may not come into our office, but we can come to you. And so we do face-to-face -face presentations for student groups and organizations. Um, a lot of those presentations are tailored to some of the concerns that maybe that student or student group is having. And so we'll come out and do presentations where maybe we're teaching a skill on mindfulness um, or introducing, um, you know, different topics that maybe students haven't considered, but may be important for them to, uh, you know, start to reflect on as they attend to their mental health. Um, we also provide consultation. And so again, not having to come into our office, um, our students, uh, family members can give us a call and just consult around concerns or issues that they may have. Um, we also have some online programming, again, that some family members and students can participate in to expand upon their knowledge of mental health and how to support other students. I'm thinking in particular our Cognito training program, um, which essentially is a way for folks to get information about signs and symptoms, right, to be aware of that could be indicative of some kind of distress Right, a student may be experiencing. And then in that training, it provides, you know, again, some suggestions about how to address that and some resources to kind of help in, in, in supporting that. Um, so in some, you know, we've got those direct face-to-face -face clinical services like, you know, short-term individual counseling. We're also providing online counseling right now while we're at a distance. Um, and we'll continue to provide that online counseling in the future. Um, but then Outside of that, again, attending to our students' overall well-being, um, come and use our mind and body lab, again, to practice those skills like mindfulness and learn more about yourself. Um, reach out to us for an outreach for us to come to you to speak to different challenges and concerns that you may be having or to introduce skills and strategies that may be helpful for you. Um, contact us for consultation, right? If you've got concerns and want support around that or want a referral to psychiatry because you're considering um, how medication may be um, helpful for you. Um, and then last and certainly not least, we provide crisis right, consultation. And so um, the services that we provide for our students, um, you know, you don't have to be a client with the CWC um, to receive services. And so if I'm experiencing um, any kind of urgent or emergent need, um, if I'm in distress, our students can call us 24-7, right, um, and get in contact with a provider, either an on-call provider or an after-hours on-call provider that can assist that student or assist their family members who also may be contacting us because they have concerns about a particular student. So, I like that people can reach out and I know that, you know, if we were not in uh, yeah. at this point, during our online and in our virtual <laughs> space, what would be the hours of operation for uh, the Counseling and Wellness Center? 
So um, we are Monday through Friday, eight to five o'clock. Um, some of our other services may have some adjusted time in between that. So like our on-call uh, goes from nine to four, but we're available uh, to see students from eight to five. Um, so those are our general um, business hours and doing normal operations. But again, if a student is experiencing an issue or concern outside of that time, they can still contact us because we're available 24 seven uh, to speak with them and kind of help assess the issue and get them connected with the, the best and most appropriate resource at that time for them. Mm -hmm. So if a student visits the Counseling and Wellness Center, like what might they expect? What does it look like? Yeah, so um, one of two things can happen. And so a student can walk through our door um, without any scheduled appointment. And so they can walk in um, just to get some general information or to schedule an appointment at that time or to speak with the counselor if they just got some questions about if scheduling an appointment would be appropriate for them or, or, or helpful for them. Um, if they are coming in for a scheduled appointment and it's their first visit, um, you know, we're gonna gather some initial information from them. Our support staff will usually send them some information electronically to complete before that first appointment that kind of gives the counselor um, you know, some background about what their presenting issue or concern will be. Um, we'll use that information just as a baseline to check in with that student when they're coming in for that first appointment to see if they're still experiencing similar concerns or if there's something else outside of that, that are, that's also been challenging for them. Um, that first appointment with us is a brief consultation and referral appointment. And so it, it's about 30 minutes in, in length, right, just to kind of do a quick assessment. Um, but from that conversation, the student and the provider will sort of talk through what is the best, um, yeah, the best resource, the best service for them, whether it's within our office or outside of our office. Um, and then part of that conversation may be the connection piece. And so if a student is coming in and they're experiencing a lot of anxiety related to academics, right? Um, we can help them to address the, uh, the anxiety, um, but their academic concerns may require a referral to their academic advisor. And so we will kind of talk with them about different um, services on campus, different departments on campus and resources that, um, again, collectively uh, may be helpful in addressing their, their overall concern. Um, we also have case managers in, in addition to our counseling staff. And so after that appointment, if a student is needing a, just additional support or needing connections to um, other resources, either on campus or within our community, um, oftentimes we'll connect them with our case managers that can follow them through and make sure that they have that continued support um, as they get to you know, that resource or that service that can support them the best. Um, if after that appointment they are referred for um, services within our, our center, you know, they'll get a schedule of that. And so if they're interested in short-term individual counseling or online counseling, um, you know, that appointment will be scheduled for them at that time. Um, and they'll get that, you know, get the information about the appointment as far as what to expect, if there are things that they should prepare personally for that first session. Uh, and that's the same if we're referring them to a group or to any of our workshops, right? So uh, a student is always gonna leave with the next step as far as this is the next action step um, that would be helpful for you in addressing the concern you've shared with us today. Are the services from the CWC, are they private? So who knows if a student 
consults or, or visits at the Counseling and Wellness Center? Who would find that out? That's a great question. And um, I'm glad that you brought that up because sometimes that is a concern for students that want to maintain some privacy or may have concerns about um, their anonymity. Um, it's important for our students and our family members to know that the CWC services are completely separate from uh, the students' academics. And so there is no um, sharing of information between the Counseling Wellness Center and the university um, per se, unless we've gotten permission from the student or there's a critical urgent concern to share information. Um, so students should know that when they're scheduling an appointment, that is private. Um, we do not share that with uh, their instructors, professors, or anyone outside of our building unless there's a need. Um, you know, and if there is a need, our students are, are oftentimes going to be involved in that conversation. And so they'll be aware of what's being shared and who that's being shared with. But that's only happening usually in the coordination of their care. Um, but overall, it's, it's private, and their counseling record is separate from their academic record. To learn more about the Counseling and Wellness Center, check out our next episode. We'd love to connect with you. Share your feedback by visiting our website at families.dso.ufl.edu or by emailing us at ihaveagator at ufl.edu. And as always, thank you for listening to Chump Chats, where we help Gator families transition to Gator Nation.